Hey, what's going on? It's At The Letters for Thursday, September 16th. And At The Letters is presented by Miller Lite, the original light beer. My name's Arden Zwelling. He's Ben Nicholson-Smith. Our producers are Christian Ryan and Nick Andrade. Ben, since last we recorded, the Blue Jays took three of four from Baltimore. They took two of three from the Rays. Those are good things to do. That means you're winning series. The Blue Jays have now won six straight Series. They've won 13 of their last 15. They are 16 and 4 over their last 20. They are 82 and 64 with 16 games to play. Pretty easy math. You go 500 the rest of the way, which at this point, the way they're playing would be like a disappointment. You still get to 90 wins. You go 9 and 7 the rest of the way. You get to 91 wins. Ben, do you remember a few weeks ago when you and I were on the Blue Jays Central Desk with Jamie Campbell and I came on in front of an audience of millions and millions of Blue Jays fans and said, hey, all they got to do to get to 91 wins is go 21 and 9. They were 70 and 62 at the time. And I was like, yeah, just totally straight faced. Yeah, just go 21 and 9. The rest of the way sounds easy enough. And Jamie like laughed me off the set and brought it up every day for the rest of the series about how absurd and ridiculous that was. Well, here we are. It's just nine and seven to make that come true. Man, the Blue Jays are playing well. They're playing so well. It's really putting them in a great position, and it's it sets up for such a compelling finish. I mean, it's pretty rare to have three teams so close in the same division. Obviously, history between Yankees and Red Sox and Yankees and Jays and Jays and Red Sox. Like, every direction you look... The games matter. The stakes are so high. It's a great time of year for scoreboard watching. One of these teams is going to be out on the outside looking in when the season ends. And that's pretty crazy to think. I mean, it could be the Jays at this point, the way they're playing. It feels like it won't be the Jays, but we don't know. And I mean, it's it's going to be such a, a fun finish to this season. Uh, they've put themselves in a great spot, like you said, by basically winning non-stop for the entire month of September good things tend to happen in the standings when you just go undefeated for like a two-week stretch it's a good strategy to do that and you're right like it's you gotta remember one of these three teams is not going to reach the postseason and I think that like coming into the year you would have thought yeah the Yankees will be there Blue Jays and eh, maybe kind of Red Sox probably not Right. So when you think about like the level of disappointment that a fan base or that a market would feel if one of those teams didn't make it, it's funny how that has turned now or for the Yankees, like absolutely, that's still going to be a massive disappointment for the Blue Jays. Now, I think it actually would be a very big disappointment if this team didn't qualify for the postseason with the way that they've played with the run differential with just how good they are on paper and then i mean the red sox as well i mean we keep waiting for the bottom to fall out with the red sox and it just never does half the team has covid and they're not that great on paper and they weren't supposed to really be that good coming into the year and like here they are like they just keep chugging along trying to get over the finish line with enough wins to be in in a wild card position so i think they their market and their fans their front office their team would be very disappointed as well if they didn't reach the postseason like there is going to be disappointment here for someone and it's pretty impossible to handicap it as as things stand right now well the great thing about this time of year is you know there's so much at stake and so it means that the little things are magnified and to me it's really fun when you look at the scorecard and you look at the ninth inning okay they got 
Bravik Valera and Reese McGuire coming up, you know, are they going to pinch hit? It leads to this whole discussion and there can be, you know, a full debate on, you know, should Charlie Montoya pinch hit? What was he doing? What was he thinking? To me, that's a great sign. Like if that happens on May the 4th or, you know, June the 8th, like I just don't think we have those discussions. And I think it's a lot of fun as a baseball observer to have those discussions and to think, you know, along with the manager and the pitching coach and the bench coach and basically trying to decipher what they're going to do to try to win this game in front of them. So it's a lot of fun. And yet, as you say, disappointment looms for not only one of these three teams, you know, within the American League East, but, you know, you look around baseball right now, probably 15, 16 teams are still in it. And some teams are out of it. Some teams like the Orioles were never in it, but you still got half the league roughly that's in it. And in the course of the next five, six weeks, 14 of those 15 contending teams are going to have crushing endings to their season. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's how it works. And that's okay. Like that's the beauty of baseball that you are going to have good teams that do a lot of things right, that put themselves in great position, have these amazing seasons in so many ways and still are disappointed. And that's, that's the way it goes. Only one team wins. Only one team is happy at the end of the year. And that's not to say that we can't enjoy every moment of this ride and every moment of, of what's ahead. But just understanding that it's not just the American League East. That's why it's so fun is you're trying to stave off that disappointment as long as possible and watch every moment along the way as that happens. And we can all sort of collectively live in the moment too, right? So you think about like as a fan, you can just live with like each game, each decision, each inning. Like you're at this point, as Blue Jays fan, every night, whether it's seven o'clock, whether it's three o'clock on Saturday, whether it's one o'clock on Sunday, you know where you're going to be. You're opening the schedule. You're playing. You're 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 watching that game for sure. For us as media, we're not going to talk about Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon's pending free agency. We're not going to talk about who's going to be on the market. We're not going to talk about payroll. We're not going to talk about draft. We're just going to live in the moment and literally go game to game and decisions and just focus on what is happening today for the team, for the front office, for the coaching staff, for the manager, for the people who fill out the lineup card, for the players. It's all about now and here and today and not pending arbitration cases and not playing time. As a manager, you're not saying, oh, I want to give this guy some run to get going. No. Who's hitting right now? Who's performing right now? That guy is going to go. Randall Gritchick two, three weeks ago wasn't performing, wasn't in the lineup all that much. Now starting to hit a little bit. You're seeing him play a bit more than Corey Dickerson is right now. Same thing with the catching situation. Reese McGuire was coming up with some crazy Babbitt luck, uh, what, a month, six weeks ago. He got to play at that time. They wanted to give him a little bit of run. Right now, you're not seeing him in the lineup very much at all. So, like, as managers, you have to make very meritocratic decisions right now going forward. And as players, you put your ego aside and you have to be okay with that. And you have to understand that like right now, everybody's in the moment and trying to win each pitch, each plate appearance, each inning, each game, regardless of any of the sort of reasons that might be behind playing time or decisions that are made in April, May, June, July. Oh, a hundred percent. Arguably like we, we get this tunnel vision, right? This time of year. And it's so fun. Like that's to me, it's the best when you get to this level. And of course this continues as long as the Jays are contending in the playoffs, tunnel vision, major league team win. Now that's the way it goes. Now, I think there's another side of that where some things that we would have been focused on, 
like a Cavan Biggio rehab assignment or how's Santiago <laughs> Espinal doing? I mean, those things kind of get pushed to the margin. Not to say that you don't have them on your radar at all, but they're kind of like just kind of pushed to the side. Or even like as another example, like Jordan Groshans, one of the Jays' best prospects. I'm like, I, I had this thought this morning. Like, I haven't really heard much about Jordan Groshans. What's going on with him? Because it's been so tunnel vision on the Major League team. And I looked, I'm like, he hasn't played in two weeks. What's going on there? So I'm going to ask around <laughs> about that and try to try to figure out what's happening. But, like, I guarantee if the Blue Jays were on pace for 90 losses instead of, you know, 91 wins, we would be looking at Jordan Groshans and checking those box scores every day. Instead, I can't tell you the last, and this is, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but, like, what's the last time I checked the New Hampshire Fisher Cats box score? Like, I'm not doing yeah. it, to be honest folks like it's it's major league baseball i've had an eye on buffalo just because they are like stampeding towards the postseason as well like they've been playing really really well and but it's funny right because you don't there's no clamoring there's no even like suggestion of like oh how are we going to get them onto this roster like what's the last roster move the blue jays made like remember there's a while there where they were churning and churning Lately, I mean, outside of maybe like the optionable relievers. Yeah, they cycle the low level. Right? Yeah. But you haven't really seen anything of like, hey, we're going to bring up like a Kevin Smith or an Otto Lopez and give them a shot or give them some run. I think that really right now for the Blue Jays front office, it's been like change as little as possible. Like this, this is working. What's happening right now is working. And if it stops working, we'll look to address it. But for now, let's just keep this rolling. Like I don't think you can play well enough at AAA right now. It's a weird spot because obviously like the Bisons are going towards playoffs. So there's, you know, that's kind of the focus there. But I don't think you can play well enough at AAA right now to even earn yourself a promotion. Like this team is what it is until there is like an injury need or a like extreme workload need where the Blue Jays need to make a move. Yeah, I mean, you just look at this lineup too. I mean, it would be such a hard lineup to crack into and to to force your way into because they're hitting so well. Like you mentioned with Gritchuk, like bottom of the order, Grichuk is is doing his thing. Alejandro Kirk, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has been one of the hottest hitters in baseball for a period of months. And, you know, for some teams, he might be a two or three hitter. For the Jays, you know, he's batting sixth or seventh, and that's where he belongs in this batting order. Collectively, we're talking about a group that has a 114 WRC+. And, you know, to put that in the context of, of players, you've got guys like uh, Nolan Arenado or JT Realmuto or an Anthony Rizzo, that's what their season WRC plus is. So the Jays as a collective are hitting that while it's an incredibly talented offensive group. And that has trickle down effects too for the starting pitching staff, for the, for the bullpen, just creates more breathing room. We're seeing that now where when they hit like this, everything else looks better because there's less pressure on other aspects of the team. When Gurriel's going like this and when Kirk's hitting and if you're getting something from Grichik and you're getting these weird little like two and three hit nights from Bravik Valera, yeah. this lineup like just goes forever. It doesn't stop. Like it literally just that's the point at which it turns over. And now it's Springer, Simeon, Vlad, Bo, Hernandez, like good luck facing this lineup right now the way with this play let's sit in the let's sit in the starting pitching first we'll talk about offense later but let's like let's talk about starting pitching because i think that is like the most pressing thing for the blue jays right now is how they optimize their matchups and their rotations going forward we're recording this on an off day it's thursday september 16th it's the second last off day the blue jays will have this year the second last opportunity to kind of set things up the way you want them to go so here's and i think the blue jays are going to take that opportunity by the way and here's how i see it playing out here's what we know 
We know that Hunjin Ryu and Steven Matz will pitch the first two games of the Minnesota Twins series this weekend. Ryu on Friday, Matz on Saturday. That's what's been announced. Here's what I believe. Jose Brios will come back to throw on Sunday. And Jose Brios will start on Sunday. That is dependent on his health. He obviously had the left abdominal issue that he came out of his last start with. But honestly, like I talked to him yesterday and I talked to some people at the team. There's no concern there. There's no structural damage. They're not even imaging him. He's going to be fine. He's going to pitch on Sunday. And then I also believe that Robbie Ray could come back the next day on Monday. And I think that Alec Manoa could be pushed back a couple of days. And I think that Steven Matz might end up getting skipped altogether. And here's why I think that. If you have Brios on Sunday and Robbie Ray on Monday, that lines those guys up to go on regular rest the rest of the season through Minnesota again, like the second Minnesota series on the other side of the Tampa series next week. And then Barrios and Ray would be pitching versus the Yankees in that second last series of the season. I don't need to tell anyone why that's an extremely high leverage series. You get Barrios and Ray there on the 29th and 30th. And then you've got Manoa, Mats, Ryu for the Orioles, the final weekend of the season. And Barrios and Ray are available for possible tiebreaker. On Monday, October 4th, that would be Barrios, Ray available for the AL wildcard game currently scheduled for Tuesday, October 5th. I think that's the way the Blue Jays will align it the rest of the way. And I think that that makes a lot of sense with how guys are pitching right now. It's like we were saying earlier, you got to go with like who deserves it on merit, who's on form, who's throwing best right now. Hunjin Ryu might make $20 million. He's not pitching the best right now it's Robbie Ray it's Jose Barrios you need to align everything around those two guys going as often as possible while obviously like taking care of themselves between starts but also in the highest leverage spots so I think Barrios Ray are going to be going in the Yankees series and then available for tiebreaker wild card and then if you get past that you can figure it out from there yeah it's interesting I mean I think you definitely need to take advantage of these off days and find ways to structure the staff in ways that serve those goals i mean there's no doubt i mean if you can skip mats and the other guys are feeling healthy they don't need those extra days do it mats is your five you know ryu to me there's like a, a grouping of three with manoa pretty close to the brios and ray group and then you get beyond that and there's it's hard to have a lot of confidence in what ryu is doing and and mats he's a good number five he's a number five so you know that means that you know whether they set it up the way you're describing whether there are slight differences hard to predict exactly how they're going to do it but like you said you do want those guys your best starters against the yankees because i mean just to put it in obvious terms when you face the yankees you can win but you can also make the yankees lose so you want to win those games even more than you would want to win a baltimore game if you're going to go one and one it's better to go one with the one win being against the yankees so you want to prioritize that and then you know, one way or the other, I think you want one of those three to be lined up for game 162. Like, I don't think you want Mats or Ryu in 162. And then that gives you the option if 162 doesn't matter. Because, you know, let's face it, they're not clinching next weekend. Like, it's going to go down to the wire. If they make it, it's going to be a late clinch. And yet they could they could clinch on game 160 or game 161 when they're playing Baltimore that final, final series of the season. So 
I like the idea of having someone very good lined up for 162 in case it matters. Then you can bump him to the wildcard game or game one of the division series if that game doesn't matter. But yeah, these are the conversations that no doubt are happening behind the scenes because, again, the stakes are very high. The Jays have to get this right. Yeah, someone mentioned to me yesterday there are actually like a couple of different avenues they can go on. It depends on Brios's health. It depends on Manoa's health. He's a little bit banged up right now. They're, they're going to steal him a couple of extra days here. I think that like in the way that I have a chart out in my head, I actually have Ryu starting 162, and I don't feel terrible about that. It's just kind of the way that it like plays out with getting because like with prioritizing Rios and Ray every five in those really important ones, filling Manoa in with a bit of extra rest in between. And then obviously like you fill in Ryu and Mats is going to make like, I don't know, two more starts this season. Probably he'll get a sim game in there somewhere just to keep his arm alive. And then, uh, you know, come wildcard time, he's probably available in your bullpen come the postseason he's probably not in your postseason rotation so he's probably in your bullpen but the way it lined up for me was Ryu on the final day of the the season you don't feel terrible about that Ryu's been like he's been hit and miss lately he obviously hasn't quite been himself I think there is still like down the stretch or even you know if they go into the postseason maybe in a DS I think there is still like that seven inning one run you know six hit two strikeout game from Hunchin Ryu where it's just like soft ground balls for days and pop-ups and he's just kind of rolling along and getting her you know quick outs and I think that's still to come but you don't rely on that from him like you once did where it was like oh every time out and this is as recent as last season whereas every time out that was kind of the outing that you could honestly expect from him right now you're not sure because you're just not sure if the velo is going to be there you're not sure if the change-up command is going to be there so it's kind of funny man when you look at the depth chart of the blue jays rotation right now and who's kind of in form today ray and brios obviously 1a 1b manoa is three and then it's ryu and you think about it hunchin ryu four years 80 million dollars a couple off seasons ago i mean cy young votes last winter He's not necessarily your, one of your top three pitchers right now. It speaks to how well Ray and Brios are throwing and how Alec Manoa has showed up in the big leagues this year, like 15 outings into his major league career, hardly had a minor league career, and he has just shown up as like a pretty veteran-looking dude, pretty composed-looking dude, and confident dude on the mound and if he's featuring the slider that he had in his last outing like the tight one for a strike and the crazy depth one for swing and miss look out that's a real weapon brown ball pass the left side of the mound charging in long hop handled by bichette on the run fires to first in time to retire Cruz and the rays more three up three down work for alec manoa a no hitter and perfect work through four. Oh, he's a yeah. He's been great. He's been great. It's it's been a huge difference maker for the Jays to have Manoa basically pitching like a frontline starter in that outing against the Rays. Eight innings, incredible performance by Manoa. But yeah, you know, with Ryu, he's not in form. I mean, he's got. I, I think dating back his last sixteen or eighteen starts to the beginning of June, his ERA over that stretch is approaching five. Like I think it's four nine eight. And that is not what you want to see from a starting pitcher on a, a very good team, you know, let alone someone who's making $20 million. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, if he regains some feel for that changeup and he can find ways to locate it 
on you know low and away to right-handed hitters again and and really place it there perfectly just you know so they hit it off the end of the bat or you know in the bottom of the bat and they're they're making this weak contact that's fine like you can work with that even if he's not striking guys out but it's been rough and so they're going to need him not only you know during this stretch where he's going to be making starts on turn they need these wins. Um, they're in a great position now, but they still have work to do. They're still not where they need to be. They need to win whatever it is, nine, ten more games to get to the playoffs. And Ryu is going to play a role in that. And then even if they get to the playoffs, division series, you need four starters. So he would be the fourth, and they would need to find some way to get him back on track, whatever that looks like. Yeah, Hunjin Ryu isn't pitching out of your bullpen ever <laughs> this isn't the situation like that he's your fourth starter in the postseason so you want to keep him throwing down the stretch here right like you want to keep him going on regular rest you want to get him feeling good and hopefully you want to get a little more juice out of him this season it kind of like just puts into perspective how special what robbie ray has done oh yeah is like the fact that every time out he is just Robert Ray it's wild like his consistency had that one iffy one against the Orioles recently we should mention that and like the craziness with Brandon Hyde and you know what did the Orioles have something on him and they weren't swinging at his slider like all kinds of weirdness going on there good news is you're not gonna have to face the Orioles in the postseason uh but you know who you might have to face in the postseason if you get to a divisional series is the Tampa Bay Rays and Robbie Ray has now faced the Rays five times this year and he faced them most recently on Wednesday and was like hey I'm Robbie Ray I'm gonna throw fastballs and sliders you've seen me do this against you four times already this year good luck And he made the Rays, who have scored more runs than any other team in baseball, look like a friggin' triple-A side. Five outs so far for Ray. Four of them have been strikeouts. Got him. Again, 96 up in the zone. You are watching one of the game's best at his craft here this season. It's remarkable at the end of this season, by the way, having logged like a ton of innings, being the like clear front runner in the Cy Young race, not exactly having a you know tricky game plan that anybody's having trouble deciphering. There's no deception there, there's no guile. It's literally fastballs and sliders. The guy's a friggin' leverage reliever who goes seven max effort fastballs and sliders over seven and it keeps working and the durability of doing that every five days all season with his style of throwing i could not be more impressed with what robbie ray has done this year oh yeah it's been incredible performance and he belongs in that cy young conversation i mean the next two weeks will determine whether it's him or probably garrett coles the other guy with a real shot at it right now but he's right in that mix as he should be it's it's an incredible season and you know i I even look back at roy halliday right it's the kind of best pitcher in blue jays history obviously dave steve belongs in that conversation but let's go with halliday as the best of all time and kind of looking back at his numbers in relation to robbie ray and obviously halliday hauled innings i mean this is even ray who is already by the way set a career high in innings at 177 but that's nowhere near the 266 that halliday threw like the 250s that he would be hauling so different pitcher different era but you look at the era plus and robbie ray right now as we record this 167 and halliday had a couple seasons up there at 167 but you know even when he won his cy young with the blue jays his era plus was 145 meaning he was 45 percent better 
than league average when it comes to ERA. So for Ray to be 167, it's pretty incredible. And, you know, still, Halliday did it year after year. Robbie Ray is doing this one time. So I'm not comparing them from a career standpoint. But if you look at individual seasons and the kind of dominance that we're seeing from Robbie Ray, it's incredible. And, you know, Roy Halliday right now, that 2003 season, that's 18 years ago. And that's how far we're going back to find a real reference point for the kind of season that and the Jays have had some great pitchers in their history, of course. But, you know, to to find a comparable for what Robbie Ray is doing, you have to go back a long way. And it it just speaks to how well he's pitching and, and how important he is to what the Blue Jays are trying to accomplish on the field this year. The stuff is just that elite. Like it's yeah. just two pitches that are just that good that like they're just untouchable right now i don't know how sustainable this all is i don't know if it matters at this point how sustainable it all is like how long can you keep just throwing two pitches max effort time and again and keep like being successful how long can your body hold up doing that i have no idea uh but i i mean i know exactly who i want in my most important games going down the stretch if i'm the blue jays and it's not only the stuff it's the mentality it's the presence it's attack mode it's the confidence it's the complete lack of fear of any situation um it's the trust in the stuff it's not walking anybody so that like when you do give up homers as robbie ray will they are more often than not solo shots like i cannot get over how simple his approach is and how effective it is you think about like hunjin ryu when he goes out there and he's got like six pitches and you know danny jansen's putting down like 15 signs and Ryu's just shaking 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 shaking. with with robbie ray it's like what do you want fastball or slider that's it he's got a curveball he's got a change up and it's funny like talking to him after his outings because he he brings those up a lot like oh i threw a few you know nice curveballs today like yeah change up felt good today and it's like dude you threw it like three times yeah (laughs) you don't even need these other pitches and he's throwing them in bullpens and he's like continuing to work on them but every time he takes the mound i think he just his fastball is that dominant he's like okay they can't hit my fastball and then that makes his slider play up and when he's throwing his slider at like 90 and it's freaking darting out of the zone good luck with that and he just realizes like all right i'm gonna keep throwing these two pitches until someone can hit them and nobody's hit them it's incredible yeah, it is. And, you know, I think if you're Robbie Ray, you want those third and fourth pitchers on the minds of opposing hitters. So I'm sure he'll continue bringing those up and hoping that that reaches, you know, the Rays or the Yankees or the Red Sox, keep them guessing a little bit. But yeah, he's he's been incredible. And if, if the Blue Jays reach their ultimate goal, which is winning the World Series, then to me, you're seeing Robbie Ray probably in that wild card game, once in the division series, twice in the CES, twice in the World Series. Like, that's what you're going to have to do. And the way he's going right now, I wouldn't put anything past him. Like there are other questions on this team, but Robbie Ray is not really a question mark. He has just been incredible. Some flowers here for Jose Barrios as well, who has been like lights out over his last four out. He is peaking at exactly the perfect time in his season over his last four. What was it? I looked it up the other day. It was like 27 and third innings, like 30 strikeouts to two walks, 198 ERA. And you like actually look at how he's doing it and you look at the command on the curveball and you look at where he's locating the sinker. He has been surgical and precise. And this is a guy who, like, against the Rays, as you were saying, like was pitching with left abdominal soreness, whatever was going on with him. He's experiencing that throughout his outing, still 
dominant. Like the Blue Jays were this close from sweeping the Rays. You think about how good Jose Barrios was in that second game of that series. You think about all the balls the Blue Jays put in play with like expected batting averages over 700. All the times they squared up balls and they were just hit right at defenders. There's the one moment with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who he hits this like liner laser beam to right center and it's like directly at whoever was in center field at the time. If he had like hit it two feet to the right, two feet to the left, that's a gapper. That's run scoring. That's a completely different ball game. Um, so yeah, credit to Jose Barrios for like how well he's pitching right now. And he'll be while you know Robbie Ray will be the guy who's counted on to carry this team through the postseason if they get there. If they move on to a DS, I, I get it. Jose Barrios is going to be like right there in lockstep with them, using some uh, you know some playoff experience. Look back at what Jose Barrios did with the Twins the last two years in the postseason couple of really fine outings in the playoffs that means a lot going into this october absolutely i mean that's why the jays got Barrios was for the two stretch runs and the two potential playoff runs and we're seeing him right now in that stretch run and good chance i mean if they make the playoffs he's going to be contributing and probably in a big way do you have a quick comment on the bullpen before we uh step away i know we've been focusing in on the starters but like the bullpen's been better Lately, it's a it's a four ERA over the last 30 days, you know, strikeouts right around league average. Um, I think the big thing is they're not walking anybody for the last three days. This bullpen's walks per nine is 2.3, which is the lowest in MLB. So that is that is huge. Things have gotten better. But like I would say that, you know, there there is some context there in that the Blue Jays are scoring a ton of runs. So you're seeing less leverage. You've, you're protecting bigger leads. And also the Blue Jays starters have been so good that over the last 30 days, the Blue Jays have only had to use their bullpen for 90 innings, which is the lowest in the American League. So the Blue Jays have kind of like made their bullpen better by using it less, which uh, which works. But I do think this bullpen is still the weakness of this team and it remains to be seen whether or not that will be exposed either down the stretch or into the postseason. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, you look at the room that the offense is creating and you just haven't had to rely on these guys as much. And they're even getting a little bit of a breather midseason when it comes to usage, which is really good. Because again, if they're going to get to where they want to go, they are going to have to use these guys a lot in the final stretch of the season potentially in the postseason so it's good for them to get these little breathers right now where you're using them maybe twice in a week as opposed to four times or five times so that's essential they will be used more and tested more and i agree that it's a weak spot on this team i mean i I don't think you can really trust soria pearson and merriweather have not stepped up in the way that you would have liked to see richards and simber still are probably guys that you don't want to see in the highest of high leverage situations. So it leaves you with Romano and Meza. And those those really are the guys that you trust in that bullpen. It's only two. But when you're winning consistently and, and often by big margins, you don't have to put those guys, the other guys, in situations where, you know, they might not be positioned to succeed. So we are seeing, you know, I still think it's a flawed group. It, it might be good enough, but the offense can continue to, to give them the room to look better than they are essentially and that's fine there's nothing wrong with with winning games that way yeah just score 22 runs like that's no yeah. problem they'd, they'd throw any you could put ben out there on the mound if you score 22 runs like you're gonna be okay uh well 
My arm would help me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, but uh, yeah, you know, you make a good point. Is that the Blue Jays like have found a way to keep their bullpen uh, pretty fresh for the stretch run? So that's good. As fresh as you can be, like in the final two weeks of September. And let's like remind everybody: no player is 100 percent at this point in the year. No player is fresh. Every player is feeling something on the mound and pitching through something and playing through something. Um, so uh, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, it, the bullpen is going to be as fresh as possible, but. You can only get so fresh this uh, this late in uh, the year. Let's step away. But when we come back, we'll talk wildcard scenarios. We'll talk tiebreakers. We'll talk offense. So much more when we continue on At The Letters. We carry on with at the letters Arden Zwelling, Ben Nicholson Smith, and it is time now for Keeping It Light, presented by Miller Light. You can uh, always hit us up, remember, at, uh, at the letters at sportsnet.ca. And uh, it's time to talk wildcard, Ben. We've kind of been like putting off the last couple of weeks, thought about it, thought about it. Let's do it this week. Let's say. The Blue Jays are in the wild card game. And let's say that they're hosting it just to keep the uh, offensive environment consistent. Let's say it's at Rogers Center. As we mentioned in the top half, one of these three teams, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Yankees, are going to be disappointed. Let's say that the Blue Jays are hosting the game. Who would you like to be welcoming to Rogers Center for a one-game coin flip playoff to get to the DS? The Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees? Well, you know, I think the very short answer is it ultimately doesn't matter that much. And I think that the amount of discussion that that we collectively in the media and, and certainly fans spend talking about it is probably out of proportion with what the actual difference in win probability and the chance of winning would be. But I do think that, you know, if you're looking at the Yankees and they have Garrett Cole lined up, which we don't know if, if they will, it could easily be Nestor Cortez, like it, if the Yankees need Cole on For the sake of the exercise, let's say it's Cole or it's Sale. Right, which would be the, that's the best case scenario for either Yankees or Red Sox. And, you know, the Jays for their best case scenario, obviously Robbie Ray. So in those situations, I think that you'd rather face Sale. So I think by a slight margin, You'd rather face the Red Sox than the Yankees because Garrett Cole is one of the best best pitchers in baseball. And Chris Sale's great, but he's still getting his feet a little bit when it comes to Major League Baseball this season because he came back just a, a month or so ago. But uh, they're, they're both great pitchers. I think the slight preference would probably be the Red Sox. So I think like the starting pitchers, like I think it's a push, man. Like Cole Sale, like you're facing a dominant dude either way, right? Um, maybe slight edge. Cole's a bit better, like you said, on form. But how do he look last time against? He was out against the Blue Jays, right? So I'm gonna say that one's a tie. Bullpen probably want to face Boston's. I think, like I think on paper. You'd rather face like the Ottavinos and Whitlocks of this world than the Greens and the Chapmans. But those guys are both struggling now. I know, right? Like you know? lately the Yankees bullpen is not has been iffy. Yeah. 
But I think on paper, you'd feel better against Boston's bullpen. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of a tie as well, yeah. right? Like maybe that's a bit of a draw. Which offense would you rather face? Probably the Red Sox over the Yankees. It's kind of a similar thing, right? Where like the Yankees have had trouble scoring runs this year and the Red Sox haven't. But with the Yankees, it's still Judge, Stanton, Gallo, LeMayhew. And the Red Sox obviously have very dangerous hitters as well. But you might feel a bit better about your ability to sort of navigate the Red Sox lineup than New York's. So I don't know. Like I think in all three categories, it's slight edge Boston. Like slight. But I think it gets back to your original point that like it does not matter. <laughs> like in, in a wild card game, like we like what we're discussing right now is percentage points like maybe by facing one or the other you could shift your win probability from 51 to 52 maybe maybe you could like you can optimize your lineup and you can look at swing planes versus what that guy throws and the parts of the zone that he likes to work in and you can have your defensive positioning like dialed in and you can have your bullpen arms ready to match up with the guys who are coming off of their bench you're moving at a couple percentage points. Honestly, the biggest influence on a wild card game and the biggest factor will be luck. That will be the determining factor of a wild card game. It'll be happenstance, man. It'll be batted balls. It'll be shift beaters, ball, you know, fly balls lost in the sun or the lights, the ground balls that take weird hops ball strike judgments from behind the plate by an umpire you know breaking balls slipped out of my hand and i yanked it and it bounced past my catcher and the guy advanced two bases and fan interfered with it and like things like that are what's really going to impact this game i think like as an organization as a front office you go into that game just being like we're in the hands of the gods now and of fate obviously we're going to give ourselves the best odds that we possibly can but you really can't influence those odds all that much when you're talking about one single game of baseball well you think about the jays and the orioles right and the jays are so obviously a better team than baltimore and we saw that in their most recent game when they scored 22 runs and just destroyed them but if the jays were to play the orioles in a wild card game they would still be sweating. They would still not have full confidence in winning that game because you can't. Because in baseball, you know, even the Orioles, I think, don't have it in front of me, but I think the Jays are 11-5 and five against Baltimore this year. So way better in every possible way, a better team than the Baltimore Orioles, and yet they lose games to them regularly. So yeah. against the Yankees or Red Sox, yeah, there's a chance they could lose just as you know, we see good teams lose in the wildcard game every year. And some of that is luck. Some of that is, you know, who can step up in a big moment and perform. Some of that's health. And it's it's all pretty unpredictable. But yeah, whoever the Jays play, if they make it that far, will be a very good team. And, you know, it'll be a wild finish um, for one of those teams involved. The Blue Jays went one and three against the Nationals this year. Yeah. They went one and two against the Mets. So if it was like a three-game series against the New York Mets, the Blue Jays would have lost. If it was a five-game series against the Washington Nationals, the Blue Jays would have lost. Right? So it's one baseball game, man, and we've all seen one baseball game in our lives. Crazy things happen. 
and the outcomes can get wild. It's what's like insane about the MLB playoffs. It's why I honestly consider the MLB playoffs just like a fun tournament at the end of the year. And you're just trying to qualify for the fun tournament. The best baseball team on the planet in any given year is the one that is the best after 162. That's the team with the most depth, with the most impactful players that has played the best, that's had the best luck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the best team because that's a 162 game sample. Like I can look at that and be like, yep, you've proven over six months that you are better than the other 29 clubs. But over three weeks in October, following that marathon, by the way, like, hey, let's just run a sprint now after you just ran a marathon, like Robbie Ray's throw it 180 innings to this point. Let's see if we can bring him back on three days rest because we really need a win, uh, you know, in whatever game four, game five of this series. To me, it's just a fun tournament, man. And to me, you just you book your ticket to the tournament and then whatever happens in the tournament is cool because you never know with one game of baseball, which way the the wind's going to be blowing and, and which way luck is going going to fall so that's sort of the perspective that i always enter the playoffs with it's definitely different it's a definitely a different challenge like i don't i don't look at it as luck i think it's a different kind of skill i think there's unpredictability i don't think that you can luck your way to a title and i think that with the kind of grind that Didn't the Kansas City Royals win a freaking title like entirely yeah. on luck. You telling but me that I, was the best was baseball team? team? Uh, they were good. I think, when, I think they were really I mean, good. Yeah. I think that team was good. Like they had a nasty bullpen. They had Johnny Cueto. They had, you know, that homegrown core of position players. Like I think that team was really good. I think the Jays were as good. And, you know, the Jays would have been a deserving World Series team in 2015 but you know i think that 2015 royals team like they were good like i don't think it was an accident they had sal perez a future hall of famer lorenzo kane eric hosmer mike moustakas these are good ball players and it might have happened in the past where you know a team could kind of like i don't know enough about the 97 marlins for example right. or the 03 marlins like did they kind of luck their way through like maybe but i i don't think you know in recent years i don't i don't think we've seen that i think that teams have even the teams that win like i think they're winning for reasons and and i think that you know i don't think we're going to see a team luck their way to the title were the washington nationals the best team that year you know they were again they were good though you know you have soto you have every team in the tournament is good ben because to qualify for the tournament you have to be good Right. right. So at that point, right. you are dealing with like plus the wild card. You got 10 good teams at that point. I really like I'm not saying luck in like happenstances and fortune is everything, but I think it plays a much greater role in determining who's going to win the tournament rather than determining who's going to qualify for the tournament. I guess it's all kind of how you frame it, right? Like there are these unpredictable elements and, you know, you are going to have these these heroes of October who just kind of step up in ways that are unpredictable. And, you know, Pat Borders from the Blue Jays won. You know, was that, do you frame that as luck in the sense that he just was lucky or do you frame that as preparation and he put himself in a good position to, you know, be able to produce against the best pitchers in the world after a full six-month season and have an incredible performance. You know, was that skill? Is that luck? It certainly was unpredictable because nobody would have said Pat Borders would win World Series MVP, but I don't think I would frame that as luck. Well, yeah, it's it's like good timing, right? That the Blue Jays yes. got like the best 
four to six weeks of Ben Revere's career. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh, right? yeah. And then he just went back to being Ben Revere after that, just like he was Ben Revere before that. But for a while there, he was like this incredible leadoff hitter for the Blue Jays out of nowhere. He, he doesn't just step on a big league field and just like swing blindly and get, oh, I got lucky and reach base again. Like, obviously, that takes preparation and understanding how you're being pitched and focus and determination and just being locked in, right? Like that takes that skill and that level of acumen for sure. And obviously, he had that in him. For one reason or another, he wasn't able to replicate that at any point before or any point after that stretch. So maybe timing is the way to put it. Sure. And I think like with something like BABIP, which would have driven Revere's success like that, I'm comfortable putting that in like the luck category. You know, if a guy goes six for 11 with a bunch of singles or if there's, you know, if there's a rain delay that just so happens to bump your fourth starter and you can skip mats and you start Ray again in game four, that's luck. I mean, that's, you know, that's truly luck. But I think some of the other stuff like Max Scherzer, you know, coming through for the Nationals that year or you know, whoever, Corbin, uh, who else would have been in that rotation? Uh, Strasburg, of course. Strasburg, I mean, yeah. those guys have epic postseasons. Like, I, I'm not calling that luck. I think that's just you built a really good rotation and those guys dominated for you. But then you get to like game six at Kaufman and Ben Revere's at the plate getting jobbed on pitches yeah. that are outside the zone being called strikes. And he goes yeah. storming back to the dugout to like beat the piss out of a garbage can. Yeah. I don't know. Is that luck? Is that umpire incompetence? What is that? But the Blue Jays deserved a better fate in that game one way or another. Yeah, uh, they did. They did. And that, I'm sure that brings back some bad memories for previous <laughs> fans. Um, you know, but I but also like and I'm sure we should brace ourselves, by the way, for for umpire Twitter and umpire discourse, because we're about to get to that point of the season. Thought was just going through my head, buddy. Yeah. yeah let let me preemptively opt out of that entire discussion. <laughs> Like it's, <laughs> this is, uh, let's make at the letters an umpire free podcast. Like they're doing their best. They get most of the calls, right? Some calls that umpires make in the next month will favor the blue Jays. We're not going to talk about those. Some calls that umpires make in the next six weeks will go against the blue Jays. We're not going to talk about those. Now, nobody's like, biased against the Blue Jays. No. The scheduling of the games is not going to be biased. It's not because yeah. you're in Canada. It has nothing to do with any of that. Yeah. So let's just let's make that call. But it can be painful. It can be painful. And, you know, certainly in the case of the Ben Revere one. Yeah, that sucked. Like that was horrible for Revere and the Blue Jays. And it impacted things and gave the Royals an opening that they took advantage of. Here's the thing, Ben. We might. So we're talking about like just the wild card game. Yeah. It might not be only the wild card game. Like, let's actually just game this out because right now, as things stand, Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox are are all tied for those two wild card spots. There's some games in hand. You know, there's some stuff to be sorted out. But like, let's say that that continues and you get to the end of the season and those three teams are tied for the two wild card spots. Do you know what would happen then? You would have to order the three teams essentially. And the nice thing is is that like we can do that ordering now because the Red Sox won their season series over the Blue Jays and Yankees and the Blue Jays won their season series over the Yankees. So the order would be Club A Red Sox, Club B Blue Jays, Club C Yankees. That would mean in the event of a three way tie or two wild card spots the red Sox would host 
the first game of what essentially becomes like a play-in series. And that first game would be for the first wild card spot. And then as Club B, the Blue Jays would have this incredible choice where they could either choose to go play Boston in that game for the first wild card spot with a chance to win the first wild card. If they lose that game, they would then go to the Bronx to play the Yankees the next day, I would have to assume, yeah. for the second wild card spot. That's option one. Option two would be let the Red Sox and Yankees play for the first wild card spot and then wait in Toronto to host the loser of that game for the second wild card spot. So you're choosing wow. between either two chances to qualify as a wild card team on the road with the added chance of qualifying as the first wild card team or one chance to qualify only as a second wild card team, but you get to do it at home. Crazy. There could be a scenario, and I would expect that most teams, the Blue Jays included, would take the two chances option because it goes back to everything we were just saying. You never know what could happen in one game of baseball. You want to give yourself like as many chances as possible. Even if they're both on the road, it would suck to not play at Rogers Center, but I think you would take the two chances option. That means you could have a scenario where the Blue Jays go like that final series against the Orioles, say they need to win game 161 and 162 just to keep pace with the Red Sox and Yankees in that wildcard race just to create that tie. You could have must wins, 161, 162. Then you could have two play-in games potentially, one in Boston and then one in New York. And if you get through that, say you lost to Boston, say you went to New York and you beat the Yankees, your reward would be going back to Boston for the actual wildcard game. Yeah, There could be mayhem about to play out if these three teams end up tied for the two wildcard spots. Oh yeah. And there's a chance of that. I mean, as we record this now, they're tied. So, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not like it's that far fetched. And, you know, again, they're good teams and could they all go nine and seven over the last stretch? Of course. That would be a regular season game, right? 163 and 164. I assume so. I'm presuming. Yeah. 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 So that would be interesting also from the context of like Robbie Ray's Cy Young, Vladdy going for triple crown. <laughs> yeah. There would be a lot going on there. But yeah, like I think what would you choose? Well, exactly. I mean, this is the interesting question here. It's obvious you take the two chances. And right. I think any team that doesn't take the two chances, like that, honestly, I would fire the GM. Like it's really? like you, yes, yeah. you, if I was, if I owned a baseball team, ultimate fantasy, uh, that would be my number one <laughs> dream job. Someday. Someday. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Save your that. money. Yeah, it's, I don't <laughs> think so. Just keep chipping away at the old TFSA. Yeah. You know, yeah add into exactly. the RSP. It'll be fine. Uh, no, I don't think so. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's my ultimate dream job, by the way. So if I get there, I own a baseball team. I have a GM. Great. They, they're making these choices. If the GM said, I'm taking the one game, he or she or they would be fired, done, gone. Because you need the two chances. You have to take the two chances and see what you can do. But it's that interesting choice because you're doing both on the road. And then, like, say you lose the first game and you burn out your bullpen. And the yeah. first you got like a travel day and then like your bullpen's all yeah. beat up. And then, like, say you had to use your best starters just to get into that play in scenario. Say you had to use your best starters in like 161 and 162. Are you going to have 
the 161 guy coming back for the second play-in game. Like there, some of these like permutations and some of the decision making that would have to happen down the stretch is so fascinating. Like I almost yeah. like am hoping that this is the way yeah. it plays out, where the Blue Jays have to keep pace in like through that Orioles series and then go into this scenario just to see what it would be like and just to see what would happen. And could you imagine, like, if you went through all that and you went through that, like, must win through the Orioles series, you play two playing games and then you win the wild card game, what's your reward? The Tampa Bay Rays have been sitting in St. Petersburg for like four or five days just waiting for you. They have everything lined up and you have now gotten there having to like burn through all of your pitching and you now have to try to sort out like a DS plan and try to take on the best team in the American League. Oh my God, it'd be so cool. It would be great. And yeah, and the Rays would just be sitting there just like <laughs> rubbing their hands together and, yeah. and watching. But, you know, I think this stuff is really fun and these decisions are really interesting. And even though to me, okay, I have my preference and I don't know, maybe other people view it differently. We'll see. Um, but I would have my preference where you take the two shots. But I love that that would be a decision that a GM or a baseball operations department would have to make. I think that's so cool. And I it makes me think that I wish there was more decisions there were more decisions like this for gms in the playoffs like almost choosing your opponent you know like yeah. if the number one seed I, I love this idea that you know if the rays say they finish the number one seed which they're on pace to do if they got to choose their opponent i love i love that idea i think it would be so cool um and i think that you know i'm not sure if it'll happen but uh, i think that'd be really fun I like the idea of like a first half of the regular season winner and then a second half. You know what I mean? Like if you have the best record through like 81, you get a playoff spot, you know, like that type of deal. Yeah. Like just add some juice to the, you know, to you create like kind of like a second stretch run. Um, like I know yeah. like some minor leagues have done things like that. Like the first half winner moves on and then there's a second half winner. But I don't know. We probably can't like restructure the entire game right now. But I do think that like. There is some like very, very interesting decision making to come for the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, so yeah. like it even gets back to what you were talking about like beforehand with how they are going to kind of set up Ray and Burrios for their most impactful games. Like you're not only building thinking about like setting up Ray for the wildcard game, you're also thinking about do we need to set up like Ray or Brios for possible must win on 162? for possibly two play-in games. Yeah. There are a lot of considerations in the front office right now. And it's like you were saying, like they're going to run everything through their systems and their processes. And that's why I think like the, I, I totally agree with you. Like the obvious choice is you take the two chances, even though they're both on the road. If you like are a probabilistic decision maker and like, that's the way that's how your process works. Any way you slice it, it's always going to make more sense to take the two chances, even though you've got the, the the travel in there and the uncertainty and like you might be up against it in the second game you always take the two chances but you know these are sort of the the scenarios that the blue jays are gaming out in their front office right now three weeks ago were they gaming out these scenarios i doubt it and now they are having to do a lot of legwork to get ready for these next couple of weeks totally but yeah if you think about it as like you know let's say we're in a competition we're we're, we're gonna break the tie by flipping a coin and I say, all right, I can give you one chance to flip the coin at your house or two chances to flip the coin at my house. Like you're obviously <laughs> going to take the two chances. It's not quite that simple, but yeah. I think that's um, that's the way I kind of look at it. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting. The best thing 
to me about sports and baseball it's the action on the field of course it's the the games between the lines once first pitch is thrown but the second best thing is the decisions that lead to that and the kind of conversation that goes along with that i i enjoy the off season for that reason i enjoy the stretch run for that reason and we're right in the middle of it now no doubt about that man plenty of craziness to come but that's going to be it for us this week want to thank our producers christian ryan and nick Andrade. he's ben i'm arden want to thank you as always for listening enjoy these games live in the moment it's a hell of a time to be a baseball fan and a blue jays fan as well talk to you next time on at the letters